Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 228. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And on this week's show, I've got Sydney Kerstad. And Sydney Kerstad is someone that I was introduced to several months ago via email. We both dropped the ball. We never responded at all to either of these. So thanks, Alex Hopkins, for the initial introduction. But Sydney and I finally picked up the thread a couple of months later. And boy, I'm glad I did, because Sydney is the leader of Smart Game Piano. Now, what is Smart Game Piano? It is an online program that you can subscribe to for a scant $24 a month or $97 a year, and she will teach you through a series of videos how to play your favorite video game songs on the piano. Now, if that sounds incredibly specific, it is. But what I found in talking to her is she's found sort of a unique way to use her music education and combine that with her love of video games and get more people playing the piano. How? Video games are fun. They have a nostalgic quality. They have a very evocative quality. Hell, I grew up playing video games. I have no time for it anymore. Although, as I note in the episode, I am playing through Tony Hawk 2 on my N64, which I have hooked up downstairs. Whenever I have a spare half hour and I need to clear my head, that's a great way of doing it. So I totally get what she's going for. And it's awesome to talk to a creative professional who is doing something unique. She has carved out a really interesting niche for herself, and she is definitely on the ascent. Now you might imagine when you do a venture like this, a lot of people are going to go, what is it exactly that you do? But Sydney's chops and Sydney's work ethic are remarkable. She's doing four videos a week. Four videos a week. I do one podcast a week, and that feels like it's going to be the death of me. But she's recently taken some steps to make this her full-time gig and have it take off the way that she hopes. So, always love catching people on the upswing, which I think Sydney definitely is. You want to check out her work at smartgamepiano.com. She's also on YouTube, Instagram, and a few other platforms. We'll link to that in the John of All Trades companion blog piece. That's johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of alltrades.us. And just a quick note about that site. It looks like crap right now. Seriously, it looks terrible. But what happened was that WordPress updated its backend. I had a theme that I used for it. And that theme just didn't really agree with whatever update they did. So I've got one just up there right now for the time being. I'm working on changing it, but the site isn't super user-friendly or super interactive at the moment. And my hope is that I'll change that here as soon as I have just a couple of seconds. So bear with me on that front. Great way of staying up to date on the John of All Trades podcast is through our social media. Facebook is the only place where you can see the first job series, except, of course, for the podcatchers. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever platform you choose to use to get your podcasts. But Facebook is the only place that I promote the first job series. In Sydney's case, she was teaching piano from a young age, and look at where she is now. That's a super fun series, and I hope you hit that like button on Facebook, because that's the only place to see those. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. I drop those across platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. All at the same handle, J-O-A-T-Pod. Now then... Let's get on to episode 228. I've got Sydney Kerstad. She is the leader of Smart Game Piano, just a fantastic concept that is executed brilliantly, and we have a great chat about movies, about music, about video games, about entrepreneurship, about a ton of stuff. It flies by. You're going to love it. It's episode 228, and it starts right now. His name is Tito. He's a big boy, not as big as him. Um, right. But I was, we were snuggling, and I pet him the wrong way, and he was pissed off at me. Yeah. <laughs> just the wrong way. I was just like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they'll uh, they'll get temperamental with you, and he'll nip at you too. The other oh, one, really? yeah. The other one won't ever, but he will. He'll like if if he's had enough, he'll give you kind of a warning one, I and have, then he'll lay into you. I have some finger marks on my calves. It's fine. <laughs> on on your calves. Yeah. Nice. He's too much of a coward to go for the face or the hands. Hmm. Well, you got to go with what works, right? <laughs> and he, he leaves marks. So he's yeah. doing it right. 
So you said you were up in Boulder today. What were you doing up there? Uh, so um, I was meeting an acquaintance. She is um, a master's student um, of piano pedagogy. Nice. And for what I do, um, I'm very much alone and by myself recording videos a lot. And so I'm trying I relate to, to that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to meet people to kind of keep my teaching in check, to keep my perspective in check. How's my production? How am I relating to the students and the audience? She gave me a lot of great insight. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So this is Sydney Kerstad, and we met through Alex Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, introduced via email months ago, and we both dropped the ball. <laughs> <laughs> we did, yeah. But uh, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're connecting now. Yes. Which is what matters. Right. A- and tell me, what's the title you give yourself? That's a really good question. I feel like I haven't won that I've really solidified with yet. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's content creator. Sometimes it's teacher. Sometimes it's leader. Um, right now, I think leader is the most accurate simply because teacher has this connotation of, I don't know, just like stuffiness. Like school marmy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And my mom was a teacher for like 30 plus years. She taught kindergarten through second grade. What? Bless her soul. Yeah, I know. And she could outfit her entire closet with nothing but stuff with apples on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's endearing. Uh, yeah. I mean, teachers don't want that as much as kids think they do. You know? Yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I taught little kids for a while, and they loved the Pokemon dress, but that's okay. yeah, you know, that's a little different than an apple. Okay, tell me about your company. So I run Smart Game Piano. Basically, it is a resource for people who want to improve themselves mentally and creatively by learning uh, the instrument, the piano through video game music. Because I know um, that video game music has this nostalgic power right you know like you go back to your childhood days and you thought about how much you love this game and you get excited about learning this instrument because of that emotional connection and because of that emotional connection is that much easier to learn an instrument it's gonna stick oh interesting yeah and it's a lot of fun i mean i love video games too so i get a lot out of it i watched a couple of your videos and is it an easier entry point for people to play something like that than it is I mean, obviously, people aren't going to be playing Bach right out of the gate right? or, you know, uh, Beethoven or whatever. Mm -hmm. But is it as complex as that type of music or is it just is it uh, an easier entry point? It can be. Um, The thing about video game music, it's not like a genre like Mm R&B or pop. Like video game music is technically all genres. You can get funk music. You can get a Baroque style piece. So it depends. But what makes it easier is because they know it and because they love it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, who can't still hum the Mario Brothers theme, right? I mean, it's literally even people who don't play video games know it. (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) Well, what's funny is, I mean, you mentioned sort of having this nostalgic quality, but looking on your site, you have things from like current titles, like Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) sorry about that. He's headbutting the hell out of you. I like him too. <laughs> <laughs> He's way into it. Um, like, are you intentionally targeting younger folks or is it people of all ages who come to you? I'm actually um, trying to target more people within like the 18 to 30 age. Okay. Um, it does vary. I do get some teeny weenies and I do get some older people too. Um, but I do want to cast a wide net because my philosophy is it should be accessible and it should be an open gate for all types of people. No, that makes sense. And what's crazy about watching it is, I don't think you'll take offense to this, but there's a Guitar (laughs) Hero vibe to it. Yeah, get that a lot. I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm, But I mean, that that game was transformative. Mm -hmm. What was that, like a decade ago now? Decade plus. Uh, I think so, yeah. Maybe even 15 years. Yeah, maybe, yeah, I want to say like 06. That sounds about right. 05, 06. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people sort of were opened up like to to music in a brand new way Mm -hmm. and so the interface is very familiar Mm -hmm. was that intentional or was was it just sort of intuitive and it revealed itself to you i think that was more intuitive um because that program that i use where you see the falling notes and the colors that program has existed for a while and people have been using that for youtube videos for a while so it's kind of a thing that already existed um however it was just the falling notes just the notes lighting up on the keyboards and that's not helpful. In fact, I was talking to a friend today and he said it was very one dimensional in the sense that you don't see the fingers. You don't really 
dive into the rhythm or right. the theory. So that's why I decided to put my videos with my hands on it. Yeah. Because, you know, in Guitar Hero, you have five buttons, not six strings. <laughs> right, right. Not exactly the same, but you do get that game aspect to it. Yeah. And it is, uh, I mean, you are playing video game music. So, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of marrying the two, because you've got a very, I mean, the piano is like a classic instrument mm-hmm. and been around forever, right? I mean, how yeah. long... How long has a piano been around? I don't even know. Uh, several hundred years. Right. Um, the piano, as we know it, has been around uh, since 17th century. No, I keep getting it wrong. But 18th century is the... 1700s? Yes. Thank you. So okay. so 1700s around there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So perfect. I mean, you're marrying sort of brand new technology with a very classic style, mm-hmm. which is a really sort of neat balance to strike. Mm-hmm. So I got to ask you, what brought you into this? And what did people say when you said, I am going to teach people piano, but video game music? <laughs> you get um, a mixed bag, that's for sure. So it started, um, I went and got my master's degree at NYU Steinhardt for, um, so I'm a composer primarily. I was studying film scoring, writing music for uh, nice. film, media, et cetera, et cetera. And after I graduated, um, I noticed there, because my one true love is video game music. That's really what I want to do. I've noticed there's a bunch of people who told me all the time, that they regret not taking lessons, not regretting learning music. Because often when I mm. introduce myself to non-musicians, their immediate response is how much they regret not playing music. <laughs> and that doesn't make me feel good. So I'm just like, well, yeah. okay, clearly there's this need here. And I want to do video game music because, one, I love it for selfish reasons. And two, because of that nostalgia factor. And people forget that video games is a multi-billion dollar industry Mm -hmm. people love it people love the music in it so why not tap into that people were making arrangements on the time and there's some really good arrangements and there's some really less good arrangements so it's a very diplomatic way of putting it too by the way (laughs) (laughs) well done i'm trying to be kind about it um so i decided i have this musical education i have this extreme privilege of having all this knowledge and the technical skills to make these tutorials to make these lessons so why not make this product this service that people can use so every time i start introducing myself to people the first thing out of their mouths is not oh wow i regret it it's hey that's great i play music too (laughs) (laughs) what do you think that is uh that people have regret about not doing music what like what do you think that comes from Honestly, FOMO, you know, the mm. fear of missing out. Um, cause you know, one of like, and I really appreciate when people are honest. Like I ask them, why do you want to take piano lessons? I talk to a lot of, um, new smartest, what I call them subscribers for smart game piano. Cool. Smart, I know smartest, smart artists, very clever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one dude said, I was just talking to him yesterday and he said, I just want to play for people. Like I want to impress people. And I'm like, I don't, that's great. That's a wonderful, honest answer. Why not show off your skills? People want to be stronger, more creative, impressive versions of themselves. And piano is an excellent way to do that. There was this cracked article I read a number of years ago where the guy was sort of talking about crack.com, which is a great website, Mm -hmm. but he was talking about new year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. And he said this year, don't say I want to lose weight or I want to, you know, do something that's abstract. Do something that's concrete. Learn a new skill. Improve yourself that way. Okay. You, you know, get into like learn martial arts, learn a magic trick, take up piano, mm-hmm. like actually acquire a new skill. And that will be better than just some sort of abstract. I want to lose weight. Right. Okay. And okay. Which, which I really liked. And so you are a resource for that in a really unusual way, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I read that, I went and took improv classes. Oh, wow. Just, okay. <clears throat> I'm like, I always wanted to try this. Mm-hmm. Let's see how we do it. I didn't really care for it. But you tried. And that's right. Yeah. And I know that now, which is fun, because mm-hmm. I'm like, I think this would be really fun. All it did was give me anxiety all the time. So, <laughs> I can actually see that happening. Yeah, I mean, and it's fun, and I was pretty good at it, but ultimately, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, let's say. I got that you. Way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you're a big gamer, too, then. I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what are your games? I'm a very much RPG kind of okay. person. The Final Fantasies, the Pokemons. Um, just started playing Hollow Knight and getting my butt handed to me. So we got to <laughs> get good. Um, I love farming simulators like Stardew Valley, um, Story of Seasons, stuff like that. Basically, I like slow turn-based stuff where I have to gotcha. like, take my time and think. 
Oh, fun. All right. Mm-hmm. I liked a big game I played in college. I don't. I have no time for video games anymore. I'm sure. <laughs> Although I do have my N64 set up in the basement. Nice. And I've been playing through Tony Hawk again. That's a good one. <laughs> it's fun. That's great. Yeah. Um, like if I have a half hour, I'm like, yeah, I'll go bang out a few missions here on Tony Heck Hawk. Heck yeah. Why not? Yeah. But uh, in college, I was playing Red Alert 2. Okay. Which is real-time strategy. Yeah. And yeah. so you do these quick matches, and I was terrible at it. Like, you get matched up with people from across the country. Mm-hmm. And I'd look at my record, I'd be like 3 and 15. Yeah, mm-hmm. those games are really unforgiving. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, not a lot of margin for error and, like, a lot of quick action, but that's fun. You know, you're in college. Yeah. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what our age difference is, but what video games got you hooked? Like, what were the ones when you were younger where you're like, these are my games and I love gaming? My fa- very first game was uh, Pokemon Red. I uh, got a Game Boy Color for okay. Christmas when I was nine years old and had a Pokemon Red cartridge, and I just thought it was... The coolest thing ever. Um, loved collecting my Pokemon. I loved getting the cards and watching the TV show. And the video game was just like a, oh, just like a, there's a whole nother world here. Yeah. Well, God, the po- the thing about Pokemon that's amazing to me is it's a whole multi-platform experience. Absolutely. I mean, cards, TV shows, video games. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm missing like nine other genres here. Probably. Probably. But, uh, I mean, Pokemon Go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when everyone was doing that, you'd be out walking around. You're like, that person's got to be doing Pokemon Go. People are still doing it. I There's know. some hardcore ones still doing it. I got a friend who posts uh, new, you know, new Pokemon he's captured mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah. Well, they've introduced Shinies. They've introduced new generations into it. You mm-hmm. can like do more Team Rocket stuff now. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I believe you. And, uh, I mean, that sounds exciting. If you're into this universe... It's a fun universe. I mean, like, yeah. That, there's so much depth that you can go into. Mm-hmm. So you got into Pokemon, Game Boy Color. Mm-hmm. How did you... Did you migrate through, like, the platforms, through the systems? Like, Actually, no. Um, my family um, is actually uh, pretty conservative. And way back when, it was this whole, oh, no, video games are a waste of time. Video games are going right. to corrupt your children. And, I mean, they're not entirely wrong. But... Um, I remember the next system I got was a PlayStation 2. I believe I was in either 6th or 8th grade. Can't remember. Mm-hmm. And we were raising money for um, a charity run. And whoever got the most money would win a PlayStation 2. And me being the competitive child I was, was like, um, yep. And so my parents were like, you raised money for charity. You can keep it. <laughs> um, so... Um, that's when I got games. They, they sort of made a devil's bargain there, didn't they? They did. <laughs> um, and who knew that I would be like focusing a career like based off of that stuff? I don't think anybody could predict that. How do you like that, mom and dad? <laughs> They're just like, oh, she's doing great. <laughs> yeah, do they get it? Like, I mean, do they get what you do? I don't. Not entirely, but I think <laughs> I think they appreciate it. They've got to be happy you're teaching music, right? Yes, yes. Um, I think I, they. What happened was it was when I was 14 on the PlayStation 2. Actually, Final Fantasy 10. I don't know if you're familiar with that game at all. A bit. So the opening sequence is just a piano solo. Nice. Um, and that's what kind of clicked for me because I was taking piano lessons, and then I heard this piano piece, and then my little 14 year old brain was like pause there is a piano song in a video game because before i really wasn't paying attention to it like i knew there was music but there's a certain element of like holy crap i do this thing and i do this thing and they can be the same thing they yeah can be one thing <laughs> that's true right worlds collide yeah it was it was very formative when you were growing up was piano your primary sort of uh skill or did yeah. you play them all Piano was my primary. Um, I sang in choirs. I tried flute for a year and I hated it because mm. um, I don't want my breath to be controlled of my music making. Um, so piano was always my instrument. That's interesting. You don't want your breath to be in control of your music making. Yeah. Why not? Because I don't know. As, I mean, obviously you're like breathing when you're playing the piano. You're breathing when you're doing everything. Um, it was exhausting. Flute's actually really hard. It requires more air than a trombone. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a girlfriend who played flute and... Uh, it was right around the time American Pie came out. Yeah. And this is this story is not going where you think it's going, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, she, like a line in the movie, uh, Allison Hannigan says, uh, when I get stressed out, I just play some Bach on my flute. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of making fun of that line because I didn't know. But I said that to her and she goes, that is actually really therapeutic. Yeah. She's like, because it's hard. 
Yeah. Like Bach is really up tempo. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, well, you just totally unfunnied that joke for me. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that. Well, she, I, maybe it was some insight into. It was music. helpful. I mean, yeah. it was nice to know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's funny too. You mentioned the FOMO. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had music class in elementary school and mm-hmm. I was pretty good at the recorder. The, the, I have great chops. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> but I just, I didn't really enjoy it. Like music was not intuitive to me. Okay. I didn't have like the rhythm or the beat in me. Okay. Like if you've ever seen the movie, The Jerk. Um, Forever ago. So Steve yeah. Martin is yeah. raised a poor black child and they... <laughs> Right? They're always playing like this soulful blues music and he's trying to clap along and he's just way off the beat. Right. And then the first time he hears Lawrence Welk, he's tapping mm-hmm. his foot, you know? And mm-hmm. so like this really dorky, like, you know, stupid white guy music and he's all in. Yeah. Right? Which is all music I've grown to appreciate now. Sure. But I never, like I never found the thing where I could, like where music was intuitive to me. And okay. It's almost like I've had people describe it to me. When you're playing a song or when you're learning a song, it's almost like you feel like you're starting to write it yourself, right? Where it comes from within you. Okay. Yeah. I never got there. Okay. I got there with like writing and with public speaking. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always fascinated by musicians who could feel music and who could create music. Sure. Because that seems like that's like a whole black box for me where it's a mystery. It's foreign. Right. Yeah. Um, Was that like, did it come pretty naturally to you? I'm assuming it did. Yeah. Um, if I may embarrass myself a little bit, um, I was the kind of kid that would like sit on the toilet for half an hour cause I was singing. Like, <laughs> um, so <laughs> my mom likes to bring up that story a lot and embarrass me. Um, dad does too. Um, I just, I've always loved music. I just yeah. always have. And I'm not saying that I have like this innate gift or anything because I don't believe in that junk. Um, mm. I, I think music is accessible for everybody. It's a part of literally every single culture on the planet. And how much or little you relate to it depends on each person. And I, and perhaps maybe for you, maybe you just haven't found that style or genre mm. or even artist to get mm. you there. Here's the thing. Like, I love music and I love a ton of music. I yeah. have a whole collection of vinyl over here. Oh, we'll see. There you go. I mean, my iTunes is gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even wrote about music for a while. I was not good at that either. It's hard to write about music. It really is. Uh, what's the line from, uh, I think it's from the movie Playing by Heart, where she goes, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. There's a lot of truth to that. <clears throat> um, that doesn't mean you can't dance about architecture. No, no. But I think you have to understand music in from uh, almost like a purer place to write about it effectively. Purer. Be- um, almost like, I, 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 I'll put it to you this way. I lacked a vocabulary for it. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And so without having a lot of at-bats with creating music myself, mm-hmm. I can sort of guess at some of the things that I'm writing about and I can acquire knowledge, mm-hmm. but it was never that intuitive to me. So. Okay. I got you. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, um, insights like that are important because music is universal just because you don't maybe have the jargon for it doesn't mean you can't offer insights. No, that's fair. You know, and that's what I wanted to get across with what I do is, you know, just because you don't have any classical training or any, you don't know how to read sheet music doesn't mean you can't learn how to play a piano. Oh, that's awesome. You know? Yeah, you've just found a different entry point for people. Yeah, exactly. And you know, what you said about uh, Insight is interesting to me because I noted to my friend Jason, I was listening to Rancid, which is his favorite band. Mm -hmm. Great punk band. One of my favorites, too. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's weird because Tim Armstrong sings behind the beat the same way that (laughs) Willie Nelson does. Okay. Like they're both kind of behind the beat, which gives them a vocal style that is really, really hard to imitate. Right. And which is why you rarely hear people doing Willie Nelson or Rancid songs at karaoke. Yeah, I never thought about that. That makes sense. Because if you listen to Willie Nelson, like, he's never right on the beat. He's a little bit behind it. Yeah. And, like, to do that, I mean, that's just the way he does it. But to imitate that would be nigh impossible. Because it's not him. Right. Yeah. And and it's kind of an anachronistic thing. Yes. I, I would agree with that. So in terms of music, and, I mean, you've played forever now. What are some of your go-tos? What are your favorites? Like either to just listen to or just play. 
to listen to um recently like the past couple of years i've been getting into like funk a lot more nice um been like wolfpeck was kind of like the first one you know everybody loves wolfpeck sure um snarky puppy um a friend of mine showed me um hiatus coyote which is awesome so i've been doing that for a lot of listening um for playing i really like bach like <laughs> but i know you were making fun of it earlier <laughs> but it really does get you into a place that's not I don't know. It's like, it's like technical and emotional at the same time. Bach nice. is like a stream of consciousness. Wow. Um, that's why I like him. What a gorgeous way of putting that. It, he really is, but he's like, it's a, not like a, I'm a crazy person stream of consciousness, but I am an enlightened person stream of consciousness. Mm. Um, I love playing Chopin. And of course I love playing, um, video game arrangements. Yeah. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to Materia Collective for making some of the most gorgeous piano arrangements of video game music ever. And what do they do? What are their? Uh, Materia Collective is a record label based out in Seattle okay. and they encourage people just to cover video game music. They release originals for video game composers, make beautiful arrangements uh, for the piano of video game music. I love everything that they do. Wow. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated kind of by your entire existence. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> because you've taken two things and I, I like your reaction to this. A lot of people, and I found this myself and I'll give you an example. This is going to be an odd way of getting into this point. Okay. But I picked up a gig when I was kind of in a phase of underemployment where I was reviewing HBO shows Fun. on a site called examiner.com. Fun. <clears throat> yeah. The show that finally did me in was Game of Thrones because I knew like that's just not my wheelhouse. Okay. I, I just, I'm never going to care. And I, I recognize that I'm wrong about this and that's fine. Like culturally people go nuts for it and they love it. They sure did. And I will never, ever care. Good that's, for that's you. That's just me. All right. But I also realized I was turning something I enjoyed, which was watching like prestige television on HBO, mm -hmm. I turned it into a job. Okay. And I found myself resenting Sunday nights when I'd have to sit down and watch these shows that I loved. Okay. You know, I'm reviewing Eastbound and Down and Bored to Death and True Blood and whatever else, right? And Boardwalk Empire. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, I actually don't want to do this for a career. Okay. Which is odd because, and the reason I bring that up is you've taken two things that people in their spare time tend to love, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Music video games mm -hmm. and you've now turned it into a job yes what has been the challenges with doing that or are you as in love with it as you always were oh that's a really good question um i still love it and there are plenty plenty of things that i struggle with um one of them being how do i you know keep that net wide it's really easy to get into a musician's mindset of really analyzing it, really making it difficult, you know, basically just, um, I'm trying to think of a, a clean way to put this, just basically just for my own pleasure and for my own benefit, <laughs> the challenge of being as inclusive as impossible. And remember that the big picture is to make people well, to make them creative. And it's not just like a self-indulgent thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you're not just doing things for your own personal gratification. Yes. Okay. Um, because at the end of the day, like I do a lot of stuff on social media. I do in YouTube and Instagram and that's how people find me. Um, and people are like, oh, well, you're a YouTuber. And I'm like, no, because I'm not the star of the show. I don't right. want to be the star of the show. That's not my goal. Right. It's just your hands, right? And exactly. your voice. <laughs> Exactly. Like, your hands and your voice. How is that? <laughs> Interesting. I'm not like blogging or anything. Um, so I think that's that has been a big challenge of making sure I put myself in the shoes of the person on the other side of the screen. Mm. Is this information accessible? Is it easy to understand? And is it still fun? And that's something I constantly have to stay on top of. And that could be quite mentally exhausting. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself going... Oh, I got to do this thing now for, uh, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 or whatever. And I really don't feel like it. Um, there are certain tunes that take more time. Like, okay. I don't know how familiar you are with anime at all. Mm, I tiny little sliver. Okay. I had a roommate who was really into Cowboy Bebop in college. That's a good one. Yeah. If if you're going to watch any anime though, that's yeah. the one to watch. I it's not that I dislike the tunes, it's just that um the tunes are in Japanese and uh the melodies for these Japanese tunes tend to be very syncopated and very all over the place, so it takes a little bit more time to write them down. I'm just like, okay, this is going to take longer than some of the normal <laughs> songs. Um 
but it, it's it's fine. That's just me complaining. Right. But I mean that that's just sort of a, a a personal bugaboo, and everyone's got them. Yeah. You know, like I have writing assignments all day, every day, mm-hmm. and there are certain ones I go perfect. I'm going to do this right away, and there are others I just drag my feet on. Yeah, because <laughs> you're just like, mm, that's not where my heart is. So I'm curious, like, without getting into the too nitty gritty here. How do you make your revenue? Like, does it come? You mentioned you're not a YouTuber. Right. But is it subscriptions? Are you giving classes? Do you do private tutorials? Like, how does that sort of shake out for you? It is subscriptions and a mix of private tutorials. So um, people can pay 24 bucks a month or $97 a year, which is quite cheap compared to traditional panel lessons. Yeah, that's a screaming deal. I think so. And that's the whole point. Well, I really do want to make it accessible. Well, especially, I mean, and you compare $24 a month versus 97 a year, mm-hmm. like it doesn't take uh, a math genius to, to realize, wow, I'm going to get there fast. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I tell people all the time, if I were to teach privately, it would easily be 75 bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, and so I will do private lessons and people do want that. So I do it every now and then for Smart Game Piano. Um, but, you know, the subscription is really all they need to get started and to get the ball rolling. Okay. How long did it take you to get to where you could make this your primary form of employment? Um, so honestly, I'm still kind of in that transition. You're period. still on the ascent. Uh, yes. How so, long have you been at it? Um, four years this past August. All right. Um, and so, so started it four years ago. I just recently. Um, quit my job up in Fort Collins so I can move in with my dad <laughs> and not pay rent and just kind of, you know, just be frugal, save my money, get all my time on Smart Game Piano. And honestly, I probably would be further along the road, um, but my fiance was killed in a car accident two years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I took a year of where I didn't want to do anything. Can't um, say blame me for that. Right. So it took me a while to bounce back from that but honestly it was smart game piano that helped me find that drive again that motivation again you had to crawl out of it i sure did i sure did um i'm with you on that and creation for me it's so hard to like when you're in when you're sort of at the bottom right Mm -hmm. you know you need to create and you know it's going to help but getting that first foot out there it's really hard. It's excruciating. Mm-hmm. You're like, I have nothing. Yeah, exactly. Because like, it may not be objectively true, but it is true that you have nothing. And so I remember um, when I was working, so I've got a team of people. I love the team that helped me with Smart Game Piano. It's not just me. I've got some people that help um, me edit, that help me design the website. And when all this happened, they were just completely supportive. I'm eternally grateful for them. And so after that happened, um, we were talking and that's why we decided to focus on the holistic being of the person and the wellness and making ourselves creative stronger. And at first, like I felt like a fraud, you know, cause it's just like, I'm the least qualified person to do this. That comes up a lot on this show. <laughs> so many people have imposter syndrome, including myself. Oh, that's why it's so common. It's so, so common. Yeah. I mean, I, you said you started this four years ago in August, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I started my business four years ago in April. Okay. <clears throat> and so it's kind of similar points then. Sort of. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough to where I knew I was leaving my corporate job for 14 months in advance. Okay. I didn't know it was going to take 14 months, Right. but I'd been planning my exit for a long time. And then eventually people who listen to the show regularly are going to be so bored by this. But um, (laughs) eventually it got to the point where they were doing staff reductions Mm -hmm. and I go, all right, maybe they'll pay me to quit now, which was great. So I I got a package. So I had some runway. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really like successful out of the gate, but it doesn't happen as much now as it used to, but I was convinced like the cops were going to show up and and just haul me to fraud jail. Like, that sounds like a scary place. <laughs> doesn't it? Like yeah. all these people in there who are not what they claim to be. Just like, it just will have like shame labels above each cell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's just, yeah. Everyone's wearing like burlap sacks. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like just in the town square in the stocks. Like, but, uh, I was just convinced. I'm like, how are people paying me money? Mm-hmm. for to do this like i don't know what the hell i'm doing i think it's really hard to be objective about yourself like I, oh truly. so is yeah and and like that's why you constantly need other people a network um to kind of just 
to one, keep yourself in check to make sure you are doing your best. You absolutely can. But two, to be like, Hey, you're actually doing pretty okay. Better than you think. It's fine. Yeah. No joke. Yeah. The, the reality check is really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. And especially like now that I've had some experience in the consulting world, I see other consultants who don't deliver a thing. Okay. You know, and I'm like, well, I'm better than that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just hire me. Like I will get you the work product that they promised and never delivered. Absolutely. You got, you have to, at some point just own it. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've started saying too. Cause like, as I said before, there's a lot of those videos with the falling notes and the light up stuff. And I've just started straight up telling people like my videos are better. Like you actually see my hands and know how to play it. Yeah. You, yeah. You can see like the position mm -hmm. because I mean, piano is all about your hands. It's very physical. Yeah. Yeah, very much is. It reminds me, I had on this show uh, a woman named Erin uh, Stereo, who's mm -hmm. a DJ. That's a great name. Totally. <laughs> she's so cool, too. And I, God, I hope she's listening right now because she's a phenomenal <laughs> DJ. But um, she would put videos on YouTube of her doing her DJ thing. Okay. And some DJs, you know, they'll spin the record, they'll move the center mm -hmm. fader, like one side or the other. But I watched her and, oh my God, it was like she was doing a magic trick with just how her hands were moving and all the effects she was doing and just doing really complex stuff with stuff that you've heard. Okay. So you had this brand new, really super interesting flavor of stuff you were familiar with. Okay. Which reminds me of like when I was watching the videos of you, I'm like, uh, I've played Street Fighter 2 roughly a billion times. <laughs> <laughs> roughly. Yeah, roughly. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, like, as soon as you started playing Ken's theme, mm -hmm. I go, I know this song. Yeah. But, like, I don't know that I'd ever thought about it, you know? So it was like this okay. brand new flavor of something that I was intimately familiar with, which was really cool. Sure. I'm sure it was like a sort of insight, like, oh, here's this thing, and here's this other world that I had no idea existed. Yeah, totally. That is exactly accurate. I want to go back to something because you seem to have a pretty good vocabulary for pop culture. As I try to. As I do. <laughs> um, I can't expunge most of the stuff that's in here. Sure. Useful stuff doesn't never makes it in. Oh, yeah. Yet I remember pertinent plot details from the Karate Kid Part 3 like really, really easily. It's going to come up great for trivia night. <laughs> uh, believe me, I've done so many trivia shows on, <laughs> on this podcast. Um but you said you went to school. You want you were interested in film scores. I actually, um, I was more interested in video game scores. Oh, okay. Um, but there's there, it's changing. But there's not really school programs for video game scores. So I did uh, film scores because there's a lot of overlap skill there. Okay. So did you develop a love for film scores at all, or were you kind of like, ah, this is secondary? It's, it's secondary. Okay. Uh, it's not that I dislike it or don't appreciate it, but that's not where my heart is. Um, for me, I find video game scores so much more fascinating because if you were to compare um, film scores and video game scores, film is passive and video games are active mm. in the sense that as a viewer, you're watching the movie and the music is here to guide along what the emotion of the film is and to invoke something out of the viewer. Whereas the video game, um, it could be either adaptive or interactive, meaning um, the music is going to adapt to what the player chooses to do on the screen or the player can use whatever game they're playing to make the changes is there and the video game is going to change with it. Wow. Um, so writing for video games, you have to think about gameplay and that is fascinating and I love it. That's incredibly complex too. Like yeah. what an unusual puzzle to solve. Mm -hmm. Did you ever play Portal at all? Mm -mm. So in Portal 2, I think in Portal 1 also, there's this point. When did Portal 2 come out? Oh gosh, it was approximately. See, it was before Borderlands 2. Um, I'm totally blanking on the year. 2000, ah, 9, 10? I'm blanking. Okay. Um, but what I like about that game, it's basically a puzzle platformer. You're okay. you're going around trying to solve these things in a 3D space. Um, and there's a point where you have to like jump off these things, these springboards, and you fly through the air. And as you're flying through the air, the game is adapting with you, just like adding an extra layer of music for tension. And then when you fall back down, it goes back to being calm again. That's the coolest junk, and I love it. <laughs> I don't have a real deep vocabulary of video game scores, but one jumps out at me that I love so much. Okay. It was when uh, they did the Prince of Persia revival. Oh, okay. On sure. like Xbox and I think it was PS2. I think they had one for GameCube too. I, I think so. Yeah. Um, but that score was great. And then mm -hmm. in the sequels that they did, they replaced so much of that beautiful like Middle Eastern kind of 
more ambient theme mm-hmm. and like there was a lot more sort of dread that would happen. Like you'd walk into something, sure. like into an area, you go, oh no, something's happening now. Right, like, right. And what a great feeling, right? Yeah. And it's just pure audio. Mm-hmm. They replaced that with a bunch of crappy butt rock. Oh, it, I see. I didn't play any of those new ones, so. And it, like, it was just so disappointing because the game lost a layer of depth. Did you call it butt rock? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about, don't I you? Yeah, I do, yeah. Just a bunch of like chugga chugga distorted guitar. And, There's a like, time and a place for it, not in Prince of Persia. I completely yeah. agree. And they made the character more of a prick. Like, and Anyway, yeah. they just took the game in a direction that I didn't really enjoy in the second one. The third one, they came back to the first one a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about film scores. Mm-hmm. And probably one of the most famous film composers is Ennio Morricone. Yep. Um, who does beautiful scores. Absolutely. And... There are two other ones that I remember that I hear in trailers for new movies all the time. Okay. And one is the Shawshank Redemption. Like, that score is just sort of iconic. Yes. Yes. Right? You hear that Mm -hmm. a lot. The other one was the movie Broken Arrow. I've never watched that one. (laughs) It's it's John Travolta and Christian Slater as, like, these, um, like, they pilot a stealth bomber. Okay. And John Travolta, like, hijacks a couple of nuclear missiles. Mm Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. It's a John Woo movie. So John Woo gotcha. it was one of okay. his first ones coming to uh, the United States. The score kicks ass, and you'll hear it all the time. Like, I'll play it for you. You'll recognize it immediately. Okay. And you go, wow, what a what a crazy little artifact to come out of this totally forgettable movie. Yeah. Right? From like 1995. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's cool when like a score can rise above that. It's, yeah, it's, it happens a lot in video game music and it it happens a lot in classical music and it can happen in movie music. I think because there's so many movies, there's, doesn't happen as often. Not anymore. No, no. I mean, but everyone remembers the Jaws theme. Um, everyone knows Jurassic Park. I'm just naming off John Williams stuff now. (laughs) Um, but video game music Actually, I mean, I, so a couple weekends ago, I was at this great convention at called MAGWest, a MAG standing for music and games. And there's a big one in National Harbor, Maryland in January called MAGFest. And that's like 24,000 people wow. attending a convention based around video game music, this extremely specific thing. That's a very specific subset of life. Yes. Yes. And it is. I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. But, and I think that just goes to show that like video game music can very much thrive outside of the game itself. Hmm. Whereas movie music doesn't as much. And I think it's because it's that inactive versus passive thing. Hmm. At least I think that plays a part of it. And John Williams is sort of like the exception because John Williams makes things that are just purely iconic. It's he's a stud. He's he's (laughs) unreal. Yeah. You know, I, and there are a handful of others that are really good, like Hans Zimmer Mm -hmm. and Bill Conti. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm missing one. Danny Elfman. Oh yes. Like, yeah. Easily one of my top favorites. Right. Um, and what's so funny is you say those and you can picture the music that they make mm-hmm. and it instantly, like it's so evocative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, kind of the same thing we were talking about early on in this podcast about the Mario brothers theme. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Which again, super iconic. I've mm-hmm. heard ska bands cover that live on stage. I'm sure that's been <laughs> really fun covers. <laughs> um, I had someone say to me once, uh, he was a techno fan and I was in, I was a very pissy college kid and very like territorial about things. And he goes, dude, techno is the new classical. I go, oh, bless his heart. I go, dude, techno, techno isn't the new classical. You know why? Because they're still making classical music today. All right. Yeah. Like, yeah. They are. Like, give me a break on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I think is so cool is you're finding more traditional forms of music mm-hmm. in a brand new application. Yes. And yes. so it, it's, for all those crusty old people who sort of dismiss video games as an art form. I can't believe they're still around, honestly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, it's embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. like, you know what's never going to take off? The internet. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, sweetie. And you go, right. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think that's just such a cool... I love when things are repurposed. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it, the fact that you're on sort of the leading edge of that and you're helping people with a new entry point because... you. Has it ever happened where someone takes one of your classes, learns one of their favorite video game themes, mm-hmm. and then 
goes out and discovers this whole other world of music that they weren't previously exposed to. I would love for that to happen. I haven't heard a story of it, and I wish people would tell me their stories more often um, because that's a great way to get people into classical music. Yeah. Um, it's a great way to people like, oh, I'm going to learn this on piano, and then I'm going to learn you know, a Bach convention, and eventually you're learning weird stuff like Scriabin preludes. Um, you know, so... It's, um, which way you should look them up. Weird Russian composer. Okay. I highly recommend. Um, it's, and like the whole, it's like back to the point of repurposing. That's the whole reason why the Star Wars score was so successful back mm. in 79. That's when people were using synthesizers and a bunch of electronic stuff. And John Williams is like, nah, I'm going to use an orchestra. Nice. And thank goodness, because it's some of the most iconic music ever. You take something old repurpose it for something new and people if done well people will receive it even know? even something that gets a lot of cultural flack and much of it deserved like family guy yeah not my favorite no but <laughs> seth MacFarlane intentionally uses a full orchestra to, yep. to score that show and i can appreciate that which is really cool like mm -hmm. i mean because seth MacFarlane's like this old soul like he earnestly released just him crooning a bunch of like lounge standards mm-hmm and I go, who is like, I watched him. I kept waiting for the gag mm -hmm. and it never came. I'm like, he just loves this stuff. Right. <laughs> like Did, unironically. Didn't he like do like a Star Trek series too? Yeah. And it wasn't like his typical family guy thing. I've, yeah, I've heard, I have a friend who watches it and he told me it's good. I, my sister said the same thing. I, it's uh, never going to happen for me. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I have a friend who wrote a ton about the show lost in his graduate program. He goes, you should watch lost. I go, do you know how long lost is? Yeah. I'm like, it's like a hundred episodes in there an hour each that you know, if I did that, that's like, if I sat down and just started that today, mm -hmm. I wouldn't finish for seven or eight days. Yeah. No, thank you. Just watching nothing but that. Right. So <laughs> like, I don't have that kind of bandwidth in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to believe you that it's good. And sometimes that's what you have to do. Be like, you know, I trust you. That's okay. Go over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. As you are on the ascent with Smart Game Piano. Well, thank you. I, I, I feel like that's the direction it's going. Um, and, I mean, you're dedicating your time and your resources and your energy to it. Mm -hmm. What are some things you haven't done yet that you'd like to? And let's say this thing is as successful as your wildest dreams. Do you what, mean, what does it look like? Do you mean stuff with Smart Game Piano or outside of it? Any way you want to answer that question is okay with me. Um, honestly, my goal is for Smart Game Piano to reach a point where it makes enough money that, one, I can invest more money back into it and make more products with it. Maybe study a little more history, a little more music theory in depth for those who want to get more in depth. Um, make higher quality videos. Um uh, hire more editors because that makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> Tell me about it. I host a podcast. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sure you have to do so much. And personally, um, I would like to have that be successful because, um, I'm a composer too. I want to compose music for video games. I recently, um, just finished scoring, uh, for a documentary that's going to be released this month and wrote a uh, double woodwind quintet, which will be premiered in May. I just, as long as I'm doing music, I'm happy. Yeah. Honestly, that's, that is the reason I live. Um, so it's just to write music and to hopefully continue with smart game piano for the foreseeable future. Wow. Honestly. Yeah. Okay. Another sort of related question. When you have a business, mm -hmm. there's the thing you love, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And then there's all the other stuff that you have to do right. to do the thing that you love. <laughs> right. So in, in a day to day basis, how much are you actually getting to do the thing that you love and either create music or play music. Okay. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I don't love is um, answering emails and responding to comments, but not for the reasons that like, I, I do like hearing people's opinions and researching back. One good thing about reading comments is like, what do people want to learn? They tell me all the time they want to learn. So it's actually a form of research. That's fine. Nice. I don't like doing it. So what happens is like, I don't do it for seven days. And then I have to go through hundreds of comments. Like this is what you get for not doing it on a daily basis. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's bad. So I need to stop waiting and just do it every day. So you got to eat your vegetables. Essentially. essentially. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I 
don't dislike recording, um, but, um, you know, I went to school for music and so the technical stuff, um, the video stuff is, and the camera and the lighting is not my strength. So that's something I really, really dislike researching. And I try to like reach out to people and just be like, how do you do this? Um, and that's actually, people are very, very generous with their knowledge. So I appreciate that. Um, and so that is probably the thing I like the least understanding cameras and lighting. Um, but it's very, very important. You just got to do it. But my favorite thing is the music creation, the performing. I have to practice for at least an hour a day, at wow. least. And it should, it's, that's not a lot of time at all. Hmm. Um, it should be closer somewhere between three to four with how much I do. But um, I that's a skill I had to learn just to learn it, get it out, new song. So one thing I'm really disappointed is I don't really perform or memorize music anymore because I have to hmm. pump out so many videos. Can you hear something and know how to play it, or do you need to see the music for it? Uh, it depends on how complicated the song is. Um, a lot of the things I can hear and play it, um, but like if uh, I struggle with like jazz and funk a lot, which is why I need like want to sit down and study it more. Yeah. But um, so what I do is like I'll hear something, write it down, and then play it, just because that's easier for me. That way, I don't have to memorize. It. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know. But I mean, I'm assuming you're a pretty good sight reader then. Oh yeah, I yeah I have to be. I, have I, to be I would imagine. Reader. Yeah. I mean, so how many how many videos are you turning out? At like- uh, four videos a week, two tutorials. Good God. Yeah, two <laughs> tutorials and two performances. Yeah, I don't socialize. <laughs> so uh, I am taking a lot of your time then, yeah? Well, no, you're good. Okay. <laughs> I made time for this. All right, well, that's... Uh, I'm flattered um, because this was absolutely fascinating. Now's the time on the show when we do plugs. So, Sydney, where can people find you? Where can they find Smart Game Piano? Anything you want to plug, do it now. Awesome. So, uh, please come visit me at smartgamepiano.com. If you want to become a more creative, stronger version of yourself, video game music is absolutely a valid and viable way to learn an instrument. Um, so, And if you're not ready to go there yet, check me out on YouTube. I put out part ones of all my tutorials there for free. And creep on me on Instagram. That's where you can kind of see a little bit more motivation. I'm also on Twitch if you want to see a little bit more performing and behind the scenes. And what uh, what is the name on Instagram? Uh, smart Game Piano. It's okay. all Smart Game Piano. Across platforms. Yes. All right. Well done. Just like me. J-O-A-T pod across platforms. I will have links to all of that on the John of All Trades companion blog piece. That's J-O-N of all trades.us. It's also in the show notes. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the other billion podcatchers out there. Sydney Kerstad, this was an enormous pleasure. I learned a lot, and uh, you are just an absolute ray of sunshine. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for episode 228 of the John of All Trades podcast, featuring Sydney Kerstad, the leader of Smart Game Piano. Be sure to check out all her links on the companion blog piece, johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of alltrades.us. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. That's my parent company, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Are you looking to produce a podcast? I can help you get started. I can do the concepting. I can do the execution. I can do all the back end. If you're thinking about a podcast, if you know an organization that might benefit from one, hit me up, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Let's pay some love to our sponsor, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, whether you are selling a product, selling a service, running a campaign, or you have a candidate that maybe is running for office, 4Degrees is the shop you need to talk to. It will get your website built. It will get your message in front of the people who need to see it most on the platforms that matter. They're an amazing firm, and I'm proud to feature them on the John of All Trades podcast. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E. iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes, both the first job series and full episodes will come directly to you. And while you're there, hey, leave us a rating, leave us a review. That helps the visibility in some way that I can't be bothered to look up. But I know it does because I hear everyone say that. And you know what? It's nice to feel like you're loved. I'm off next week. That's right. I'm out on my anniversary, but I'll be back in two weeks. I've got a great guest lined up for that, so stay tuned there. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.